0: Shalom everybody and Shavuat We are continuing where we left off In the Kuta uh, Section Or Chaim, The Laws of Giving, the Blessing of Thanksgiving Berkatul Discourse number 6 the Paragraph number 18 At this point Rav nosin Is still developing The concept of lentils Because it's such a fascinating concept Rav nosin is opening up to us That life is a turning wheel There's sadness and happiness, sadness and happiness. And it's up to you to continue the wheel to turn. You don't have to stop it at the sadness. And that's why there's always a consolation followed by a heartbreak, by a mourning, by something sad in life. So Avnoshan wants to develop this point even more. And he brings further proof to this idea from other places in the Torah of this concept, that this is something which is a foundation point of being a Jew, of faith of living in this world is that there's a belief that there ultimately is something good the final stop of the wheel is the ultimate goodness of the resurrection of the dead there's nothing more sad than a person ceasing to live physically he's dead now okay it's like all finished all gone where did it go it didn't go it's going to come back and it's going back multiplied stronger hundreds of times more thousands of times more at the resurrection of the dead so it's something which gives us hope and says, this is life after sadness there's always a happiness in the end and if there's always happiness in the why why are you so broken why do you have to be sad it hurts right now temporarily but you have to look at the final end this is in line with the, what Rav Nosin explained in the Qutimar lesson 24, that we have to look far. In order to be happy, you have to borrow the happiness from the future, that in the end everything's gonna work out. So, if in the end everything's gonna work out, why are you so broken? This is a concept that Rav Nosin is developing, and he's showing us in these parashiyot of Bereshit. So, at this point, Rav Nosin goes to the book of Dvarim to borrow another concept, to show you what he's saying, hinted to in the words of Rashi. On the chumash, so it says, He says, like this, Rav Rashi. This is as Rashi explains <coughs> in Parshat Nitzavim. This commentary, Rashi, is found in the book of Dvarim, chapter 29, verse number verse number uh, 12. On verse 9, on the opening verse, Atem Nitzavim, Mayum, Rashi says in, in verse 12 the following. First of all, what's the pasuk? Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem. The verse in parashat nitzavim, the opening verse, opens up you. Hashem says, that Moshe is telling the Jewish people, Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem. You are all standing today. Standing in a, in a firm positioning today. Rashib gives a few explanations. One of them is the following. Kayom hazeh, Shehu ma'afin u'me'ir. Okay? R- Rashi's pointing on the word Hayom. R- Moshe Bainu tells the Jews before he passes on, you are standing today. Why the word today? You could, say that you could say, you are standing, all of you. You are standing now before Hashem. But why the word today? So Rashi says there's a comparison between the Jewish people and what they're going through to the day. What's What's unique about the day? A day is divided into two parts. There's night of the day and there's the daytime sunlight of the day. So kayomaze shehu ma'afil This is the wording in Rashi, right? Like this day, a physical day, a, human, a day in this world, which afel has darkness, gets darker, umair, and then begins to light, to shine light, because that's what every day is. It starts off by book, eh? the Jew- the Jewish day, according to the Torah, the day starts at the beginning of the night, right? We count the next day starts at nightfall, right? And the morning is not the beginning of the day. The day began already at nightfall. Okay, that's the beginning of the day. So it's darkness followed by light. So just like this day, which is Ma'afilu Meir, that there's darkness in the beginning, initially, and then there's light. Ma'afilu Meir lachem. He's not saying the exact wording of Rashi, but this is what comes out of Rashi. So to Hashem, also with you, the Jewish people, with the suffering that you're going through, and the punishments, if now you don't follow the Torah, it's ma'afil, it seems to be dark, but then there's light. It brings light. There's atonement. There's joy. <coughs> there's rectification. He says, this is how life is. That's what Rashi's pointing out, because this parsha Nitzavim is after all the warnings of... of, uh, of uh, of the of the of the parsha there at the end one second parashat is followed by it, it, it's following parashat kitavo with all the curses there and parashat kitavo with all the curses and then right after that Ataym Mitzavim like Rashi says that the Jewish people when they heard all these curses 98 curses their faces like fell and dropped in color also You know, And they said, Moshe Benu, how can we stand up to all these punishments if we don't follow the Torah? So he said, to console them, that's what uh, Moshe Benu says in Parashat Nitzavim, that's what Rashi is bringing down, that the, the, the suffering is to keep you on guard, keep you intact, it's to help you. And even if there's suffering and punishment, it's a preparation for something good. It's not like that's it and it ends there, it's a dead end. It's a kapara. It's an atonement, which means to clean in order. The kapara means also to clean off. If there's filth and dirt, you clean it like kapore, right? To clean one's hands while she brings down elsewhere. (coughs) To wipe and clean your hands. So that's how suffering is and darkness is in life. It's something, it's not the end, dead end part of life. It leads to something better, which is the light. So that's what he's saying here. Just like the day has a dark moment, but then there's also a light moment of light and joy and clarity and happiness. Okay, so too Hashem also with punishment, if it comes about to, that you have to be punished, or the warnings of the punishment to get you scared, which can put you in a in a stressful situation where you're worried in a way. It's also kach It's for something good in the end. There's an or that's a light that follows. Okay, so Rav Nossam's pointing out, this is the idea that he wants to bring out. In other words, this is like we mentioned earlier, that that's how life is. That there's light always following, there's joy following a situation which tries to make you feel sad and bad, but there's a follow-up. Get to the follow-up. Don't stop at the sadness, oh, it's finished, oh, I'm over, that's it, my life is finished, I'm finished, and that's it, it's, don't stop there, continue, let the wheel continue to turn, because that's how it is, right? Because everything is one, there's sadness, but followed by joy, like the lentils are a food for for mourning, but also a food of joy, like we brought down earlier, Rav Nasser brought from the Midrash, right? So too, that's how life is. Life doesn't have to be sad. <clears throat> it's part of the wheel turning. But continue. Let the wheel continue to turn. <clears throat> like what he said earlier, and this is what the lentils that we serve to console the mourners with. This is what they hint to. And this is what's m- being made, meant to be hinted to the mourners. L'ramez, to hint, That death and the sadness accompanied by mourning over a death is a turning wheel. And in the future, Hashem is going to, in the future, bring back to life all those who died. So, it's a wheel that keeps on turning. It doesn't end at death. It's only a preparation for the next stage and get it to that next stage in order to feel the consolation and joy that in the end everything's going to work out. <laughs> that the hope and the knowledge and the belief <coughs> and the aspiration that in the end everyone's going to be resurrected and death is not the final junction, the final uh, stop, the, the final train stop. Rather, it's a preparation for the final one, which is the resurrection of the dead. That is our consolation. That's the essence of con- all consolation and any type of sadness because there's nothing worse than death. There's nothing more painful, more sad than someone dying, and that's it. You can have temporary pain, this and that, but someone leaving the world and dying, that hurts that's a pain that's like a major terminal pain if you want to say but even that has a consolation so automatically it's considered the essence of all consolations And through that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead and there's a knowledge about that giving hope to any dead end in life no matter whatever it is if it's the Holocaust pain, suffering on a personal level, divorce, terminal cancer, losing children, shalom, losing this, losing family members or losing a limb, whatever. Right? In the end though, in the end, everything is going to be transformed into joy and as mentioned above. And Rav Nossam saying, that's how you have to look at life. You don't stop at the sadness point. You got to continue the wheel to turn to get to that joy because it does continue. Whether you like it or not, the will continues. It's going to be good in the end. Whether you want it to be or not, it's going to be good in the end. Okay? Now that is the point of the lentils. At this point, Avnosim goes back to Esav. daika. <coughs> However, going back to the story in Parshat Toldot, when Esav came tired, from the three cardinal sins—killing, murder, uh, immorality, and idolatry—right. So Asav who denied at that time the resurrection of the dead, specifically, specifically, we know based on the sages that Asav at that point, when he's when uh, that meeting point of him and Yaakov, and is preparing the dish of lentils and the whole dialogue, at that time, at that point. We see, we find that Esav denied chetamitim, which, in other words, Rav Nassim is pointing out that Esav was full of sadness. He had no hope in life. He also didn't believe there's a hope of a few, of a good future. That everything is this world and it's sad, and that's it. And if anyways everything is sad, so you make the best of all the lusts and the vanities and do whatever you want because anyways everything is dead end. Rav Nassim is probing into the subconscious of Esav mentality, that Esav mentality is total sadness without believing in hope, and therefore there's no joy, which leads to Esav being Esav. The reason why Esav is Esav because he's full of atzvot. Look, look how Rav Nelson develops this. <coughs> <clears throat> he denied the resurrection of the dead, specifically, through the whole incident that Avram Avinu passed away we're taught Rashi brings down that Avram Avinu was supposed to live another five years to reach the age of his father Terach but he died five years earlier than he was supposed to really so that he shouldn't see his offspring his grandson Esav go to Tarbutra'ah to be bad to go to follow off the wrong path that Avram shouldn't have this suffering and pain of seeing his grandson go off the path he died earlier, so he shouldn't see it. The day, the day he died, is the day that the day that Avram Avilu passed away, is the day that Esav went off the path, and he didn't see that. He passed away first on that day, and then came the whole incident. that Esav came back after sinning. Avram didn't know, and then we see the Torah tells us depicting his evilness, his wickedness in denying the service of Hashem, denying Hashem, denying also chasus right? so so it was specifically through Avram Avinu's passing that he became to become someone who denied the resurrection of the dead this is brought down as is brought down in the Midrash Rabbah on the Parsha of Tolodot you can see there in Bereshit Rabbah chapter 63 paragraph 11 that Esav said when he asked Yaakov why are you preparing this dish of lentils it was, it was a few questions here. Number one, it wasn't the way of Yaakov to cook. That's number one. <coughs> number two, lentils is a dish for mourners, for someone to, to console people who are mourning. Because of the message contained in the lentils, like Rashi brings down, that it's a galgal shekhozer ba'olam. It's a wheel of fortune that goes upon everybody, the, the wheel of mourning. Even Esav knew that. So he asked, why are you preparing the lentils? So he said... What was the word? What's the wording? They said Avram Avinu pa- that that our that grandfather passed away. That old man passed away. So Asaph said, "This is the wording in the Midrash." Shamar ze He said, "Whoa, you know, in that old man, the attribute of judgment hit." The word pagah. The commentaries explain means it hit before its time. The word, every time you see the word it's like unexpected and before the proper time. Something happens earlier and unexpected. That's pagah. So when he said, whoa, he was supposed to reach at least the age of his father Terah. Even Esau knew that. He didn't. He died earlier. That means Midat adin, din the, the, the actual judgment was exercised against such a tzaddik who's undeserving of that. So he said like this, God forbid a denial of Hashem's way of of reward and punishment. If now such a tzaddi got punished, that means, chaseshalom, Asaf said, there's no reward and punishment. If there's no reward and punishment, there's no world to come. There's no world of the spiritual. Everything is just atheistic. Only this world, chaseshalom. So the Midrash says that because of Avram Avinu's passing earlier before the time that he's supposed to die because it was an accepted thing that a child passes away around the time that his father, his parents passed away. So seeing that he passed away earlier, uh, Asaf, seeing that Avram passed away earlier, five yeah. years earlier, he said, ah, you see, that there's no reward and punishment. He's a tzaddik. He's not deserving of that. <clears throat> and you see, <clears throat> something bad happened to him. Therefore, that means there's no reward in punishment because Hashem is not fair in His ways. Shalom, as if to say that, and this is what caused Esav to deny metim, and deny God in existence. Shalom, and that there's going to be a future resurrection. Okay, so b'zaken so, ze so, 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 so pointing out what led him to say that, what led him to talk like that. Ki avar as kama averot before that incident happened on that same day we know already that he transgressed several transgressions like we said he had relations the Gemara lists five things that happened that day three of them happened before Asaph came back from the field right like we said he did adultery he he raped a woman a woman who was engaged he killed Nimrod and he also did idolatry (coughs) <coughs> but it also came out at this point the idolatry. The two Averot which were before was that he killed Nimrod and he raped a, a woman who was engaged. Okay? <coughs> so as she points out, Ki ka averot, he did several sins beforehand. She she that the force behind pushing a person to do an Avera is the klipa, is the evil forces, the influence of the evil forces, which are the concept of sadness. Rav Nosan equates klipot and atzvot together. That the way the klipot, the evil forces, have an influence on a person is because the person allows himself to be sad and depressed, which was the case in Esav. Rav Nosan is a big insight here that Esav's whole blemish is that he was someone very sad. Okay? Alken Amar, Rav Nosan goes further now. Based on all this, you can understand what he said afterwards. Therefore, Asaf said there in the Bereshit the Parshatod, <coughs> chapter twenty-five, verse thirty, what did he say? He told Yaakov, stuff into my mouth, please, na, from this very, very red stuff. Referring to the lentil dish, he called it haadom haadomazh why did he call it Adam? so if Nelson borrows the concept from the tikkuni zohar then what why did he use the word red what does red represent when, especially here very red it says Adam adam the tikkuni zohar okay page 10a says like this that adam is tukpa de dina the color red sumaka which is the targum of the word for red if you look on this verse is Tokpa de dina, is severe judgment. And what is severe judgment? Ravno Sin says that's sadness. Shehu Atsvut. And that is sadness. Sadness is associated with severe judgment. Because when there's severe judgment on a person, a person is sad. And vice versa. When a person is sad, he opens the gates, the opening for, for severe judgment to afflict him and affect him, God forbid. So now Ravno Sin goes to stop by Asav. This is Asav. But first understand Asav. And his request to swallow and stuff his mouth with this red, red stuff which is the epitome of severe judgment which is the epitome of sadness Rav Nosan goes to the opposite first of all, you have to understand what is the idea of eating of tzaddikim ki, achinat tzaddikim simcha first you have to understand how tzaddikim eat the eating of tzaddikim, Rav Nosan says is the whole concept of joy when tzaddikim eat, they're not eating out of a lack, out of out of feeling empty. They eat out of joy to serve Hashem, and it's something positive. They're eating is serving Hashem. Period. Bechinat, like it says in Kohelet, <clears throat> in chapter eight, verse fifteen, it says there that all a person has to do in this world, really, what's really the mission of a man, what he should do, is leechol velishtot velismoach. The man has to eat and drink and to rejoice. Rashi <clears throat> brings a few explanations there. Number one, he says that a person has to be happy for what Hashem gave him. Eat and drink and be happy. The Mitsuda David says something very interesting. He says that, <clears throat> that eating itself is conducive to being joyous. If you want to experience true simcha, so you do need to eat and drink in order to bring out the true simcha inside of you. And that's how tzaddikim eat. They eat for the intent of reaching true joy so they can serve Hashem and appreciate everything. As opposed to wicked people who are always feeling empty and they're not looking to have true happiness. They just want to fill their emptiness and without looking for joy as the solution, but for worldly physical lust as the solution. And not that it leads to true joy. That's why they stop. That's why I can't bring them to true simcha because their, their outlook, their perspective of eating and drinking is wrong. Okay, so tzaddikim, on the other hand, it's to eat and drink and to be happy. And then Rashi brings a, sex, a second explanation that eating and drinking refers to learning Torah <clears throat> and enjoying the parts of the Torah. Learning and appreciating the Torah. To eat the Torah and to drink the Torah and it brings true simcha. That's what brings true simcha. So Rav brings a second verse because the verse in Quran is telling us something, a positive virtue, meaning this is the virtue of tzaddikim, to eat and drink and to rejoice. And then, like it says in another verse in a Dvarim, in the book of Dvarim, right? Chapter 12, verse 7. Okay, this is parashat Re'eh. It says, When you come to Yerushalayim to bring your sacrifices, it says, sham And you should eat the korbanot that you bring to Yerushalayim. When you bring the sacrifices at the three times of the year, right? You did the, the obligation of every male is to come to shalim and offer sacrifices, <clears throat> and the verse says, "And you should eat there before ha- the face in front of Hashem your Lord." Usmachtem, and you'll be happy. And like the the, the, the as of the verse is saying, "You should eat and you will be happy." It's like automatic, or it's also a command and be happy by this in- eating which is considered before Hashem your Lord, this brings, this is conducive to joy. Sheneemar al-akhirat ha-korbanot. Rav is pointing out, right? This verse is referring to eating the sacrifices, which is a positive eating. Just imagine eating from the sacrifice. Of course it induces joy. You brought a korban to Hashem at the Beit HaMikdash, and it's so spiritual, the food now, the food part, the eating part of the sacrifice, you can imagine what joy it brings to a person. Rav Nosen says that the eating of the sacrifices, this is the level of the eating of tzaddikim. The, the level of the eating, eating of tzaddikim is like the eating of the sacrifices. How do we know that? achilatam tamid korbanot. The eating of the tzaddikim is always in the same category of eating sacrifices, because their eating is in order to serve Hashem. That's their goal of eating. When they eat, it's only to serve Hashem. So just like a sacrifice, part of it went as an offering to Hashem, which is like serving Hashem, and the remaining part is also considered the completion of the korban. So to the tzaddikim, their eating, which is to serve Hashem, It in itself is serving Hashem and therefore it's conducive to joy because that's the greatest joy of the tzaddikim to serve Hashem. Okay, Rav Nosen brings a further strengthening proof to this idea of the food of the tzaddikim is like the korbanot. (coughs) A famous gemara This is why the sages teach in the gemara in Brachot, page 55a that the table of the tzaddikim, the table of righteous people, atones just like the altar. Right? The table which has food on it, and on the table you have guests, and you have words of Torah, and eating for the proper intent to serve Hashem, which is the eating of the tzaddikim. It atones just like the Mizbeach, like the altar also, there were parts of the food that were offered to Hashem, and that was an atonement. So too, the Gemara says, that today that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, a man's table atones like the Mizmeach. Which type of man? Obviously, you're talking about a righteous man. A Tzadik. Like that's just said in the Gemara, right? Menachot, like we just said, Brachot, page, page 55a. So the table of a person, the food that he eats on his table, atones like the Mizmeach because it's the exact same concept. The eating of tzaddikim is like the eating of Korbanot. And both, it says on the verse there, the Chol Vachatim lifnei and you'll be happy and you rejoice because that's the simcha that comes about through eating with before Hashem your Lord. Okay, now that is the eating of the tzaddikim. The eating of tzaddikim is out of joy. That's why, like the Chai brings down also, it's a, it's a law that when you're sad and angry, don't eat if you're in a bad mood. Don't go to eat. Most people, unfortunately, or I said something common, a person is under stress and everything. Some people, they take it out on on just indulging, indulging, indulging. That's wrong. Be careful. Don't eat when you're in a bad mood and you're upset and everything. And don't think the food will calm you down. That's that's the eating of Aesav. That a person feels like a hunger, a lust, out of a sadness, out of like a worry, out of trauma, whatever, distress. You can imagine Esav, after what he did, he probably did feel a distress, because like Rabbi Nachman says in Sichot Aran, that the wicked people are always filled with regret, charata. So it could be that Esav, after killing Nimrod, and raping an engaged woman, he did begin to feel distressed and worried, look what you did, you did something wrong. He knew he did something wrong, but uh, swallow up, the guilt, he went to try to fill himself up, that's what he told Ya'aqov that's what he told Ya'aqov stuff my mouth with this food in order to take away the, the guilt feeling that's wrong, that's not how tzaddikim eat, tzaddikim don't eat it to try to calm down their guilt of doing something wrong, they eat in, in order to come closer to Hashem and the eating is part of closer, coming closer to Hashem, that's the eating of tzaddikim, Esav <coughs> on the other hand, was not like that so he goes now, Rav and says Aval achilat look wording. But the eating of Esav and people like Esav, siato, people are like Esav, hem people, like people follow the tracks of Esav. It's fine. The Ben says that someone who doesn't eat properly and if, under the guidelines of Derch Eretzid eating, he belongs to the side of Esav. That's the Ben wording. Okay, it's from the Zohar also. But the eating of Asav and people like Asav and his group, those people who follow those tracks, <speaking in Hebrew> their eating is the essence of expression of sadness, which is called the filth of the primordial snake, the snake who incited Adam and Chava to sin. Okay, the blemish of sadness in eating is associated with that snake. Bechinat, like it says, in the curse that Adam received because of eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because of following to the enticement of the snake, that's what the wife pushed, Achava pushed Adam to eat from it due to the snake's incitement. So the punishment as a result of following and receiving the pollution, the filth of the snake is, Be'itzavon tochalena, the curse of Adam says the, the curse is there that you will eat from the earth with sadness ب'itzavon. even though it can be interpreted differently that you have to work and toil the land but still the word is used the wording in the verse is itzavon, which is like sadness atzfut. and that's what Renaissance is pointing out that this is the curse due to the snake meaning it's up to you there's a curse in eating that if now you are sad and depressed, you will take it out on improper eating. Itzavon tochalena. But if you have joy and happiness and you want to serve Hashem, you are no longer under that curse. You're eating the food of Tzadikim. Okay? But Esav and people like him who are under the influence of the zuamatanachash, the impurity of the snake, their eating is called Itzavon tochalena. They have the curse of Adam. Okay? az Esav And this... Attitude of sadness expressed in improper eating is what Esav tried to overpower himself with. This bad attribute, Esav the wicked one, Shaamar that he said. The wording the of the, the, the passage itself shows his in, being influenced by sadness and depression. Because he said, "Hal etenina." This word "hal eteni" is not a nice word. He said to Aviyakov, "You know, stuff my mouth." with this red, red dish, hal'itani, la'at. The word la'at is something which is considered a blemish. Eating in the form of hal'ata is not good. It's something improper. It's an attribute of asaf It's an indication of eating out of sadness and depression. Okay? Shehi bechinat akhila gasa bederech al'ata. The word hal'ita, like we just mentioned, is the idea of eating improperly. Gasa excess eating, improper eating, unlawful eating, in the format of swallowing up out of a ta'avav, a lust, because a person feels empty and depressed. Shehup gama Hilaka kamuva. And hal'ata is considered a blemish When person just swallows in boleya, The word bolea and hal'ata are similar. The Zohar points out that this is a blemish in eating as is brought down in the Zohar of Truma, page 168b. That it says this idea that eating in Hal'ata is considered a blemish of the table. It's a blemish in eating. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and Rav Nosson points out that this is the, an expression of sadness. Khan is mentioned above, and this is what Asav tried to bring forth. So, of all this, Rav Nosson is showing you how Asav is the epitome of sadness. That's the cause of him being who he was. The cause of him denying etim, the resurrection of the dead, which is like an idolatry. Of denying Hashem existence, which is automatically connected to Triatil. Also doing transgressions of of raping, you know, adultery an uh, un- engaged woman and also murder. All this show, emanates from Nosen's pointing out that Asa was someone stuck and steeped in sadness and didn't want to get out. He didn't look for an exit. He was stuck and wanted to be stuck like that. He wanted that this depression and sadness should be where he is. And that he uses that as as an excuse to allow himself to do whatever he did, a free-for-all opening in, in his life. God forbid, Hashem save us.